Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, I am so fortunate to have a marketer who I've really come to respect her the last couple of years. Actually, it's, it's been a number of years now because she has been, I believe, a three-time customer of mine uh, at Uberflip. Christina Bodis is currently the CMO of a company called Coyote Logistics. And you'll hear on the podcast, she's talking about true global scale. I mean, 17 different you know, offices around the world, very massive global company, and some of the challenges and opportunities she's had. But I think what's, what's most interesting to me is not even what she's doing today, but the path that she took to get there. That journey is really intriguing. You know, it, it, the part that, that really caught me when I was just kind of looking back on her resume is almost nine years spent at Career Builder. But the cool part there is that she continued to move into new roles, new challenges that sometimes, as you'll hear her describe, were not even what she wanted to do next, but where she took the advice and she, you know, of the leaders that she had, and it pushed her, you know, to become a, more of a broadly capable marketer that I think sets her up to be the amazing CMO that she is today. And, you know, it, it's not just the roles that she ha- she's had, it's, it's her entire you know, mindset around truly taking time to understand a customer. And in the second half, she's able to unpack the importance of knowing your customer and catering to them down to the geographic level. We hit on some tips that she's got, you know, with field marketing teams to really make sure that she can market in region, which I think a lot of marketers will take a lot of value out of. So without further ado, we are going to roll this week's episode where I got to sit down with CMO Christina Bodis. Hey, Christina, thank you so much for taking the time. You have a very busy role as a CMO. So talking about your career and how you got to this point, yeah, we really appreciate it. And, I, and I'm sure people are going to learn a lot right now. Maybe you could start by just kind of giving us the status today. Like, where are you today? Where are you the CMO? What is Coyote Logistics all about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me, by the way. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So I am the Chief Marketing Officer for Coyote Logistics. We are a global uh, 3PL. So we help people all around the world get their products to their end customers. We like to think of it as driving you know, business forward. And if you think about how just consumers have changed and how they're buying today, logistics is actually a, a pretty exciting place. And makes everything go round. So uh, being the CMO of, of such a thriving industry is, uh, is an adventure that is uh, exciting every single day. That's exciting. And, and, you know, when you use that word global, maybe just for people tuning in so they can understand what you have to deal with on a daily basis, give us some, some idea of scale of the organization. I mean, whether it's employee count, yep. number of offices, how big your marketing for sure. specifically, things like that. Yeah, so um, we're a global company with about 17 office locations in North America. We've also got offices in Mexico and Guadalajara and uh, in Europe uh, across Pan-EU. We have headquarters in the Netherlands. And 
you know, being global is really understanding customers at the market level. And that's part of why I love international marketing is uh, it's always fascinating to not only see the nuances of each of those markets, but more importantly, see the universal challenges of the customers. So we, our marketing team supports the organization globally. So our team is constantly doing research and trying to understand sort of like the global persona and really sort of enrich it to be the best market level marketers we can be. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, to oversee that many offices where I'm sure you have different people heading organizations, you know, and being in that CMO role, you have to be able to relate to all areas of marketing. And and one of the things that I think is really interesting about your career, at least when I look at it on paper, is is your stop at a career builder. So you were there for about yep. eight years, I think, you know, from oh. when like like just before two thousand through to like twenty seventeen, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds generally correct. Feels so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's really cool to me there is, you know, first off, that was probably a time of, of crazy growth at Career Builder. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. But when I look at at all the roles that you took on in that time, everything from product manager, social media, employment, brand, project management, you know, moving up if you know from manager to director type of roles, even you know finishing off in, in more overseeing demand gen. First off, how did you make those jumps from one to another so quickly? And, and how did you keep with that company for almost nine years? Sure. Um, uh, my time at Crew Builder was probably uh, the most formative of, you know, obviously me being able to be a leader today because they, they did afford me all of those experiences. Um, ironic enough, prior, so I, I got the job coming in as a product analyst. I oversaw a, a, one of the niche websites and, and sort of like the development and the strategy for go-to-market. And the irony of all of it is when I was, you know, we a young, naive uh, person, I, the whole idea of online, I have this like weird desire to always be more so in brand at the time. I'm like, Oh, this online thing. Like, I don't want that. I want brand. And now I look back and you know, I'm, I'm like the most digital <laughs> forward person I know. So it's, it's always an ironic story when I tell it. Um, but so when we started at, when I started at Career Builder, we were very much uh, still just the internet company where we were, um, you know, posting jobs. And that was our, our core product and trying to understand how we can drive more traffic and get in front of more people because those were job seekers and then potentially offer that up to our customers as, as a value add. Um, and as you can imagine, we also saw the Great Recession when, you know, I think I was only there for a year. And for being a job board, when there are no yeah, jobs, you have to really get creative. And, um, you know, I, I look back at the leadership of our CEO, Matt Ferguson, at the time, and really all of the leaders in really doing the right thing to decide to double down on innovation and diversification during what was a very scary time for a lot of people. And, you know, not only from a cultural standpoint, making the employees feel like they were supported and, and, you know, everything was going to be okay, but really kind of 
opening up the the floodgates for different ideas and ways that we could take our data and our insights and service our customers. So um, that recession ended up spawning really, you know, not only through innovation, but also through acquisition, the ability for us to you know, really try to understand our customer. And, you know, as, a, as an HR leader, they were using all types of new software. They were going through the digital transformation that we, you know, in all honesty, are seeing in logistics today as well. And trying to understand where in that sort of process we could play a bigger role and add more value. And so we ended up spawning, a, you know, a, we spun off a brand called Personified. It was more of a consultant arm. And, we got to get into, you know, helping people use social media for the first time ever to recruit. And That's it was, cool. you know, a little bit, a little bit scary. They wanted to have a Facebook presence, but we also wanted to maybe turn off the wall because comments are scary too. And, you know, watching the evolution of that channel and, and really being able to, at the time, have that experience. I mean, not a lot of people had experience with social media given it was, you know, such a new channel to everybody. And it was just an incredible opportunity because we were sort of in a startup phase still, but, you know, we were backed by a company that at the time was, you know, still like 12 years old. So we've, we've, we had the core business model, but we could be, you know, try new things and sort of be innovative at the drop of a hat. And so we learned so much that I, I had the pleasure of, you know, leading sort of the social media engagements with, with a number of brands and then, you know, my big passion was employment brand and, and really thinking about, you know, we, we talk a lot about go to market, but as an employer, your go to market is your employment brand and differentiating why you would want, you know, why are you an employer of choice? And, and even in today, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, one of the lowest unemployment rates in our history, it, employment brand is really, really, you know, critical for you to get the right talent. So I, I led implementation for a number of large clients and my my biggest was Pfizer and I'll never it was our first global rollout and it was it was super exciting and also you know we we had never done some of this stuff before in terms of leveraging all these different teams and solutions and so it you know again credit to career builder for just having faith in in their talent they let me sort of lead it and we had a great engagement and we rolled out Pfizer's brand to 60 countries, and they're still leveraging that messaging today, I'm sure in an updated fashion, but um, right. it was one of the longest but most rewarding projects I, I remember there. And um, the irony is that from there, I'll never forget it. It was my, my future boss at the time had left me a post-it note. And, you know, when you're in a startup, getting things done is sort of more important than getting them done with a process. And then once you do enough of it, you look back and you go, Oh boy, well, if we're ever going to scale this, we should probably define, you know, how do we want this to look every time so that we can deliver on customer expectations. So we started talking about project management and, you know, how do we, how do we deliver now as a company with multiple types of solutions? And some of them were more consultative and some were just technology you know, Career Builder had acquired a number of different um, companies, data companies, software companies, and now we still have this consulting arm. So I was offered the opportunity to lead what we called at the time the engagement management team, which was, you know, big engagements that were multi-product, we had big decision makers, and we had to make sure that we were doing this in a sort of unified way. And 
I remember telling um, Brett, who is now still one of my greatest mentors, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not really interested because it doesn't have marketing in the title. And like, I'm a, I'm a marketer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I've, I've heard that line before. And he was so wise and he convinced me and said, listen, I, I totally get it, but you're, you like naturally seem to be good at this project management stuff because you're weird and you make lists and, and you like to standardize. And I guarantee you, it'll be, you know, the best experience that you leverage in your career. And he was so right. So um, we, we started the engagement management team as a team of one being me <laughs> to work with a handful of our, you know, top tier customers with, you know, big engagements. And when I left that team, I think I was there for two and a half years. We had scaled it to about 30 people. And wow. that was the first time from like a leadership perspective, I went from being like an individual contributor to then being, you know, somebody's manager and leader. And it, it's interesting. Nobody ever talks about that. You know, when you go from being a rock star individual contributor and then you're like, oh, yes, I'm, I'm you know, team lead. I'm a manager. I have a team. What no one really talks about is the fact that now your job is no longer to do the thing that got you to that job. It's to guarantee the success of your team and to help develop them to get to be awesome contributors. And it's a mind shift, right? Like you have yeah. to figure out now all of a sudden, you know, the, the development of these, these people is sort of in your hands. And I just remember really trying to like learn and, and dig deep and, and try to think about what kind of leader I wanted to be and also try to remind myself that I had to let go and yeah, not th- to do all the tactical things. I think with marketers, it's, it's an interesting thing that I hear often what you're describing right now is, is this, the term manager, first of all, in marketing can mean something very different than it does in other disciplines in our organization, right? Very often we hear the term manager and we assume that that person is managing people. But in marketing, sometimes as you, as you hit on, you could be, and you had multiple Mm -hmm. manager roles and leadership roles, but you could be leading a discipline, you know, especially on smaller teams, you know, we, we all marketers want to, you know, drop that specialist role and they want to get to the manager level, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're managing people. When you have that shift, it, it is such a, such a critical one to be able to go into and understand that you got to somewhat let go and take on new responsibilities. And it's, it's interesting that, that, you know, it sounds like even though it wasn't marketing you were doing in that moment, you know, traditionally defined, it, it probably was defining to you being a CMO today. Oh yeah. I mean, I look back, my boss Brett taught, like taught me how to be a leader and you're right. Like those years weren't spent on marketing necessarily, but the irony is, is the way that, you know, I've, I've come to define myself and just my style as, as being a marketing leader today is the balance between sort of the the beautiful creative side of marketing and and the art of it, but then also the, the scientific execution, because sometimes we get a bad rap as marketers for being idea people, but not necessarily being people who deliver. So without that experience, not only from the project management standpoint, like thinking about how today a marketing organization, you need, you need process. You need a way to be able to scale what you're doing. And without that foundational skill set, I, I don't know how I would really be able to do it as well as I, I do today. And like I said, Brett really taught me how 
to be a leader and, and really be dedicated to the development of your team and always be pushing and having high expectations for not only yourself, but your team. And it, it's been incredible to, you know, see the results and I'm forever grateful to him. That's great. I, I love that story and, and the takeaways from it. And, I, you know, keeping on that in terms of where you are today and, you know, fast forwarding a bit through your career, we've got a few more minutes before we take a break here. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you went on after Career Builder, like we said, almost nine years, you were at Paycor, USG. Now you're at Coyote Logistics, as we heard. Other than understanding mm-hmm. that importance of team building, what is, you know, either, you know, an experience that you had or just a realization that you've had in the shift from being responsible for an area of the business, you know, being director mm-hmm. of, say, demand gen or, you know, head of communications to actually being part of the executive team and, and having that C in front of your title? Sure. I think the biggest takeaway that, I would, I would have from not only being like, you know, having the C, but also just being a marketing leader who wants to have a seat at the table is to not talk about marketing. <laughs> I think about all of the, the meetings that I have with my colleagues who represent every other part of the business. And we talk about, you know, strategy and we talk about our customers and how we want to provide more value. And I'm, not really talking about MQLs and click through or any of those metrics that are really important. You know, we have marketing level metrics, but the the bigger difference is once, once you're at a leadership level, you really are a steward of the business and, and it's your responsibility to understand that. And, you know, we do a lot of things with our team where, you know, we, we walk through the, the, the P and L we, we talk about the finances. We, it's, critically important to me that we as a marketing team are also a team that has business acumen because we have to bridge that gap between attaching what's really important to the business and how we're marketing without that attachment. If you can't speak that language, not only are you not going to get a lot of credibility, but you're probably not going to be supporting the business in the way that it needs to be supported. So I think really pivotal moment in my career in being able to do that was getting my MBA, which really helps you flesh out. Yeah. I mean, I, (laughs) I think about it. And again, like back to career builder, we, we had a ton of opportunity where, you know, we were internally developed to think like business people early on. And, you know, going and getting a secondary degree focused on business again, you know, you're, you're really forced to be familiar with all of these topics because you are responsible for the business, not just your individual sort of piece of it. And I think that's the biggest difference is you have to be able to think broader and not just in a siloed fashion. Absolutely. That's, that's great advice. And, you know, people on this podcast listening have heard me say before, one of the things to realize when you are at that table, as you put it, is that yes, you are overseeing perhaps in your case, the marketing team, but your other team is the executives, right? Like it, that is a team yep. of itself. And as you said, you know, understanding the challenges they have, understanding how you rally, you know, to a PL that's healthy across the entire business requires sacrifice and requires an understanding. So that's, that's great advice. Christian, I want to keep rolling here, but we are going to take a short break before we we dig in a little and and move from talking about your career journey to the way you orchestrate a buyer journey. We'll be right back here with Christina Bodice on The Marketer's Journey. 
Want to create high converting experiences for your demand strategies that accelerate pipeline and drive revenue? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and Stantec are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com slash journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences to drive demand. All right, Christina. So we just unpacked your career journey, which has literally just been up to the right and and super exciting. And you've learned so much. And and I think one of the aspects that you hit on earlier in this project management role was you know working with with customers and understanding who you're selling to. And I know that's something when you describe the importance of mapping a buyer journey, is it just it, it has to start with knowing who you're selling to. Yeah, absolutely. I think the understanding of your customer, how they buy, who they are, their habits is, is literally the most foundational piece to building not only the journey, but the strategy. And to be honest, it's, it's one of the things that is most often sort of skimped over or not done at all. Right. It's based on some sort of large assumptions in, in the worst cases. So we are really, really intentional about, you know, getting firsthand insight into our buyer and what's important to them and how they're conducting their search, especially, you know, for us in the logistics community, they are going through, you know, transformation where digital channels are being leveraged more than ever before, but there are still folks that are are using things that, you know, maybe aren't as automated and we have to be able to cater to everybody because they're just as important uh, regardless of the channel they're using. So I'm I'm curious. I mean, you know, that makes a lot of sense and and you could probably figure that out, you know, before you even started it there. How did you validate that though? And and how much of that was on you? You know, I I know out of the gate when you joined Coyote Logistics, you were in a VP role. Were you more hands-on mm-hmm. then? Do you have a team that you kind of, you know, put and say you're gonna be our tiger team to go understand the customer? Who's who does this fall on to get to that point? So when when we first started, um, we had obviously our our demand gen and digital and lifecycle folks. Those are just three people at the time, really focusing on. You know, we were all new to the logistics industry, and so for our benefit, but more so for the benefit of the, the overarching positioning and the strategy. You know, the first thing we we wanted to do was get real true insight into you know, what is important to these customers? How do they buy? What are they considering? And how do they perceive us? Because that gave us the roadmap to really understanding how we could best serve them and how we best message our unique value proposition to them. You know, so the the first thing that I did was, you know, rally the troops together to do some research and you know, nothing builds credibility in a new organization or for anybody outside of marketing, right? Especially with sales, when you can come to the table and tell them something about their customer that they didn't know to help them to empower their sale. And, 
it won us a lot of street cred. And more importantly, it, it definitely helped define our strategy and provide value to our customers. And it set a standard that, you know, marketing is here to help provide that lens, that true voice of the customer and understanding them. You know, I, I like to say that we, we're in front of the customers when our salespeople can't be, right? When they're at their computers or at home doing research, we're able to supplement all of the insights that the sales folks have with a ton of other data points. And from there, we work together to, to provide that um, that crystal clear sort of 360 vision of who they are and what they want. I love that. And and it's it's so important today. I mean, the, the research that I've seen most recently is that 82% of the time in the buyer's buying cycle, our, our buyer is doing research. And that is not including the time they're speaking to salespeople. So, you know, it, right. it puts so much emphasis on marketing, as you said, to capture their attention. What are some of the channels that you know, either your go-to or you've had to adapt to coming in uh, to Coyote Logistics and, and where, how are you orchestrating that with such a large team? Uh, how big is the marketing team, by the way? Uh, we're about 20 now. We will be probably by January. <laughs> okay. So that's, I mean, that's a lot of people, you know, to, to corral, to make sure that they're talking to your audience in the same way and, and, and picking the right channels. So how is that coming to life? So, I mean, to your, to your point about being global, right. Um, it goes back to really understanding that our customer does have a universal challenge or challenges in our case. And so, you know, we look at the demand generation strategy as, as something that's overarching and, you know, we leverage all of those insights to build that framework. And then we work with our in-market folks and our salespeople and pretty much anybody who is sales facing to it's, it's kind of a two way, right? So you've, you've got our overarching strategy where we want to leverage content and advertising and digital, of course, and even events to get in front of people at the right time with the right message. And then, you know, leveraging the insight and the feedback of people who are in market to say, you know, also right now, like for example, in, in, you know, the EU Brexit is a hot topic. What do we, what do we need to be doing to help support our customers there? You know, in, in Mexico, of course, there's, you know, the cross border, we need to be able to speak to things that are most relevant to that market. So it really is a partnership with, you know, leveraging that sort of 80% of the, the macro strategy, but being agile enough to take in feedback and, uh, put out the most relevant message to that market in a nimble way. And and I'm getting a little into the weeds, but I I think people would probably be interested in this. I mean, you mentioned earlier having 17 offices, you know, probably Mm -hmm. more regions than you're trying. How many regions are you actually taking the time from a geographic perspective to market to? And is that one person's role or is that actually split up, you know, in terms of ownership of different regions with, you know, more generalist roles for each? Yep. Um, so we've got sort of an overarching demand generation team, and then we've got a field marketing team. So we, we talk about that, that macro, right. Just understanding that also like the, you know, the content and the campaign planning comes from that, that global team. And then the field marketing team is dedicated to sort of EU and Mexico. And obviously we've got one dedicated to North America as well, to where we can kind of, you know, that, that person, that role's full-time job is, getting that insight and, you know, obviously keeping in touch with sales, but also being able to scour and and be 
the voice kind of on the ground so that we can supplement um, that overarching strategy with the most specific details. Gotcha. And, and we, on a team of 20, how many end up in, in more field marketing role, either today or in your ideal future? I think so like today we've got four. So we've got, um, you know, we've, we've got two in Europe, one Mexico, and then one in the States. I think eventually as, you know, we're, we're newer to Europe as, as we continue to grow and evolve. Europe is not, you know, in the States, it's a, it's a state. So the, the differences in cultural nuance and buying process are not as different from Illinois to Indiana as they are France to Germany. And so that's where I think there's probably some incremental value to, to add more in-market folks to be able to translate, you know, what what is the buying process and what are the nuances and what should we be adding or taking away? The, the great thing is, like I said, this industry has such universal challenges of, I have stuff, I need to get it to my end customer that I made a promise to, and I need to get it there fast, cost-effectively, and I need to be able to trust you that you're going to do it in a, in a great experience as well, because you're going to talk to my end customer and you essentially represent me, and we take that very seriously. So I think if if anything the European regions have the most nuance that we could probably take more advantage of in the future too. Really interesting. And maybe just one more very in the weeds question here that I'm, I'm curious on these field marketers to date, are, are they all located? I know you're in Chicago. Are, are they all located yep. in the U S or are you experimenting or thinking about hiring people on the ground that, that to your point, understand the true issues happening in those regions? Yeah, no, the field marketers um, are in market. Uh, so they're in Europe. Um, we are playing around with sort of the North American and Mexico balance. Um, but I think the true value there is not only to be on the ground to talk to the customers, but we also leverage them for the ability to enable sales to use the marketing tools at the at the highest level. And so building those relationships with you know, the sales folks in those regions is really priceless. And, and you can only do that if you're, you're there with them. Absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I'm sure that's resulting in you having a few points to, to travel and, and see all these team members, but uh, you know, <laughs> that, that'll actually queue up, you know, we're, we're technically done on this part of the podcast, but if you stick around after this break, we'd like to ask you a little bit about a personal journey you've taken, ideally not one for work. So not when you've gone to visit these field marketers, but how you balance being a CMO with your, your regular life. We'll be right back here with Christina. All right, Christina. So if people have made it to this part of the podcast, either they fast forwarded or they are captivated, but we're going to give them a, a behind the scenes look now. And, you know, being a CMO, being in all these roles and getting the opportunities is, is obviously because you work your butt off. But, you know, <laughs> as, as I always say, we, as marketers, we have to find balance. We got to find ways to disconnect. How do you do that? You know, how do you find that balance personally? So I think um, a few years ago, you know, we work-life balance is always such a topic, right? Um, but somebody had written an article about the fact that there's really not work-life balance. It's just it's just life. <laughs> so that for me was pretty foundational in in taking the pressure off of okay, but like this is my work time and this this is my leisure time and and just trying to be 
happy with life. I'm really lucky that I'm really passionate about what I do and I love what I do. So I'm one of those um, annoying people who will tell you that I, you know, I work is fun for me, <laughs> but it is, it, you know, can be stressful and can be a lot. So, you know, I, I kind of just stopped putting the pressure on myself to, I'm a, I'm a big time blocker on my own, but I had to kind of take that idea and scrap it when it came to, okay, you need a certain amount of time doing leader stuff and a certain amount of time, you know, working and just made sure that I felt like I was happy and, um, you know, spending my time where I was most fulfilled and that's worked pretty well so far. And trying to, one of the things that I've been trying to do too, and in some of work travel is add a day or two to explore. So just to, to go to a new place, you know, totally unknown. I usually only use Instagram um, to find places to go, usually food related, because I'm a huge fan of eating. And <laughs> it's been incredible. Like I, I look back sometimes at, at you know, my posts and it's, it's amazing to think that th this is my life. And that's very cool. When you have kind of like bridging those two worlds, you know, there's nothing but like a sense of joy that kind of releases. Now I am crazy and I'm the type of person that needs to check in, you know, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And that's just who I am. And, and that's my balance. So I think it's just being true to yourself and, and making sure that you're making yourself happy and you probably won't disappoint yourself if, if you keep those things kind of in check. I love that advice. It's interesting. I mean, a, a lot of marketers we've been talking to have, have talked about just leveraging your existing schedule. And, you know, one of the earlier tips that, that we got in a, in a previous episode with Maria, for those who want to listen back, is the idea of, you know, tagging on a day to a long weekend and making it a four day weekend. But I think the idea when you're, when you're doing a lot of work travel is, you know, tag on a day or two there. Where, where's one of the spots you've been where you managed to add on a day or two? So we have one of our European offices is in, I can say it now, Wroclaw, Poland. And I had no idea what to expect. It is the most adorable storybook town um, with like rainbow colored buildings and awesome. um, kids blowing bubbles in the square. And I just remember falling in love with everything about the town and the people and I had zero expectation and, and, you know, had to fly in a day before because of all the time change and spent the day just kind of wandering around. And I had so much fun that I started, you know, again, doing, doing that uh, all the time. That's fantastic. That's great advice. And uh, good on you for doing that. I I'm very guilty of always just going to the hotel, you know, going back to the airport and, you know, and, and then people are like, Oh, you were in that city. That's so cool. And I'm like, honestly, I don't know what city I was in. So good on you for, yeah. for getting out of that. Christina, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much. If people want to you know, learn more about you and Coyote Logistics, where, where can they go for each of those two? Sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can catch me there, Christina Bodis, or you can shoot me an email, christina.bodis at coyote.com. Amazing. Thanks so much. And this has been another great episode of The Marketer's Journey. Christina Bodis, thank you so much. CMO at Coyote Logistics. I think we learned a lot. And if you've enjoyed this, please check out some of the other recordings that we've got on this show. Some great marketing leaders. Really interesting to see both the path that they've taken and the path that they're creating. This has been The Marketer's Journey. 
You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 